people should try and keep a diary about what they think. Because, say like, ten years' time, you'll probably rewrite in your mind what you thought at that time. And in this case, the time was the 5th of August 2011. Various things have happened politically since then, and so again, this is a slightly historical document of what was going on through mine and the person I'm talking to, Jed's, minds at the time. We're talking in this conversation as well about a demonstration organised by the TUC called the March for the Alternative, which happened on the 26th of March 2011. I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better, acquainted with you. Go ahead for the cheers. Why not? Cheers. 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 Today we're getting better acquainted with Jed. Hello, Jed. Hello. Oh, hello, Dave. Wow, you, you, How was that? you cut into the intro. That's good. Oh, sorry. Never. Can I think you hear you're me? First person to go right in before I've even said. How's my sound? Your sound is on my levels. You sound delightful. Blah, 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 blah. You sound fine. Okay, I'm trying to put on a more radio voice to sound cooler. Well, if, if, if that's what you need to do, more. <laughs> so the first question that I ask everybody is, how did you meet me? I met Dave Pickering. I suppose it would have been around about the 7th of October in the year 2000. Probably. Wow, that's we very accurate. We had Freshers Week at the very beginning of October, yep. and then the following week was when we met our course teams. Yeah. Uh, the day after my 19th birthday. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Do you normally give context to where we are? Sorry to cut in, but... Yeah, 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 we, 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 I was going to do that for the third bit, but yeah, we can... Sorry, uh, Richard Kingdom just handed me his kind of beer. It's probably a good idea to give some context at this point. So we're on a train going to the Edinburgh Festival for a friend's stag weekend. Yes. So you'll hear sounds in the background of a train. These are the sound of two cans of Heineken. That's right, and uh, we're here with some other people, but for the minute they're going to remain silent. So you met me at university. Yes, uh, where did we all meet? in one of the studios no it wasn't we met in the main performance auditorium but we were just talking about this before remember because we did that show Orpheus and Eurydice no no it was before we got started on that what, what we was did it? Like a, it was almost like an audition for Orpheus and Eurydice which was the first year performance yeah through Matt Connell and Holly Bates yeah. who were later get married doing that dance thing where you spell your name out do you remember no I, I have no memory you don't of remember this I have no memory you remember it Wow. Richard Kingdom remembers it. I don't remember it. I remember you because you were wearing a hat. Yeah, I was wearing a hat. What was your first impression of me then, Jay? Guy wore a hat. So this guy wears a hat. That's what you thought. I didn't know anybody wore a hat. You're the first person I met. My first impression of you was that guy looks cool and attractive. Yeah, most people think I was that. very suspicious of this. Most people think that. Well... <laughs> Yeah. You just have to take our word for it. Listeners well, at home, he, he, he is, he is, but he does look cool and attractive. Just, just from the sound of my voice alone, you probably get the impression. Well, your, your voice is a bit incongruous to your look, or it was, <laughs> it was, it was back then anyway. <laughs> Not foghorn voice. You've gro- grown into your voice, like, and your look. I've affected it. Now. I've affected them both. What do you do now? Well, I've just got a new job as theatre projects specialist at Central St. Martin's College of Art and Design. So I'll be managing the various brand new theatre spaces, the new development at King's Cross. It's going to be half sort of admin logistical stuff in trying to organise the spaces for 
students and academic teaching and whatnot and yeah. events at the college and the university and blah blah blah. Uh, the other half is finding venues to come and use the space to pay hopefully fairly high rates as I think half of that will pay my wage as well. Cool. So uh, yeah. So it's like quite an exciting time for you. You haven't started the job but you know you've got it. Yeah I found out this time last week I found out I got Wow. It. Well fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you very much. You come from Blackpool. I do indeed. I've been to Blackpool a few times. Yeah. And my impression of Blackpool, I don't know, it's an interesting place. I mean, what, yes. do, you, what do you find Blackpool is like having come from Blackpool? I actually talk about this a lot. I was talking about this yesterday. I talk about Blackpool a lot, I've found. I have given it a lot of thought since leaving Blackpool, because obviously when you live in the town, it's difficult to have a balanced view on it. Yeah. Because you either really love it or you really hate it, and I actually hated living there. Right. Uh, but since we moved away, I've been able to sort of assess its positive and negative aspects in a different light. So, the negative parts of living there, it's quite deprived. There's not much going on culturally or artistically. There's not really much of a nightlife to speak of, which had any good music. And it just seemed like a, a bad place. It's touristy, but in the worst sense. Yeah. In that it's people who aren't really coming to enjoy the town and enjoy the sights. Basically, people come in get really drunk yeah it's not like they're treating the place with respect well recently they, I, I traveled up to Blackpool I stopped in Leyland mm-hmm. and I talked to some people in Leyland and um, it was me and two blokes and they were like you're going on a stag night are you going on a stag night and they couldn't really comprehend that we were just going to have fun at the fun fair yeah <laughs> like people think oh yeah you're gonna go get hammered yeah well this is it this is what all over the north they just go they do. there don't they and uh, it has a it has a, a big effect on the I think it has a massive effect on the psyche of the town and the people that live there because they don't really have any respect for the town at all and it gives it a weird atmosphere this is my perception of it and I couldn't wait to leave I mean I like my friends and there was a good group I think most people have the same experience where you start to go out and you've got your own group of friends yeah. and you all go to the same pub and you all go to the same club and whatnot. And you do sort of have a feeling that this is the best, this is the coolest people in the world. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because you're in this close-knit group and you don't really know anything else. So it was that sense, but the rest of the time I was going to be crap. But anyway, so I left with university where I met Dave Pickering. <laughs> you didn't go very far? No. I always say that it wasn't intentional because I always thought it had a... I wanted to do theatre studies and it had a really good course. Yeah. But I always say that well, was just completely coincidental. It probably wasn't. I was probably a bit nervous. I was. I went last minute. I actually got a place for clearing because I, I didn't apply on time. So I think I was probably a little apprehensive about moving away. But yeah, so I went to Lancaster. And then I moved to London and I met some Australian friends. And we had, it was like an impromptu visit to Blackpool Easter. So this would have been like 2006 or something. Yeah. So quite, a, quite a bit later. And I was just going to visit family, and they were visiting the Lake District, and they popped over to Blackpool. And it was Easter Sunday, and it was absolutely beautiful day. Like it was, you know, it was, you know, really, really warm. The sea was really clear. It was really quiet. We went to the Pleasure Beach, and then we went to like we went into town. And we had like a nice breakfast at this cafe, and like the, the, it's like being in a different place. The town was like it just seemed so nice. There was no tourists hardly. And they loved it. They, they thought Blackpool was the best place they've been to in England. They've, you know, they've been living in London for years and with students, and they were just blown away by it. And they, like, they've been up to visit like three or four times since. And they, like, without any irony or you know, without tongue in cheek, they really like the town. But I think as a tourist, it, it does have a lot to attract itself. I think maybe if you're living there, it's not. But I mean, I like going there because I kind of like the kind of mix of 
fun, dangerous rides to do, and there's, there's a seafront, and there's kind of yeah. stuff that seems like a throwback to the past, and lots yeah. of arcades to play. And a great, and a, a great seafront as well. Yeah, nice. Definitely like nice. it's like you know, sandy beach. Like compared to like to Brighton, yeah, Brighton's got like pretty crappy seafront. Really, it's like those pebbles, it's kind of useless. But like Blackpool's got this really long beaches as well, and uh, it's really stunning scenery. It's just got not much to keep people there for longer than a day you know and did you guys when you were growing up did you hate tourists uh yes I think that's pretty standard isn't it yeah I mean I would imagine that you would when you're a kid it wasn't as bad so like say like the mid to late 80s it wasn't nowhere near as bad as it is now for like stag groups because I guess like, that culture wasn't hadn't arrived yet it's really come now I don't know where the stag where did the whole stag thing come from I don't when know did that start? I mean we're on a stag we're on weekend, one now I, I have no idea we were on one four weeks ago and what's, what's it about why is it two days now like why is it I, I, like, I like the fact we're going away for a weekend it's going to be a lot of fun yeah. but now every stag do is a weekend and it's yeah, all yeah. like when really did it start? probably late 90s early 2000s I don't know I don't well, they didn't have it in the mid to late 80s but I remember it's really become a cultural I mean I was too young to be invited on one yeah so. Well, maybe it's wow. because everybody's a bit more affluent and they can afford to do this stuff yeah. a bit more. Yeah, disposable income, people are marrying later. Yeah. But anyway, so you just have normal tourists, which are like just families, go to the pleasure beach, walk along the seafront, fish and chips, stick a rock, ice cream, that sort of thing. Uh, walk along the pier. And there was always a kind of like, ooh, bloody tourists. But it was of a town and gown sort of feeling, you know. What do you mean, a town and gown? What does that mean? You know, like you just have these weird tribalisms, which they come from nowhere. Especially when you're a kid. You're oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Whatever's not you and your end of the street is basically different and Definitely, it's more like yeah. fun. You know, it's not really, it wasn't any real. Well, you know, yeah, it's like silly. You're, you're, nice you're trying to identify yourself, aren't you, as a group? So you always yeah. do that by opposition to other groups. Yeah, exactly you know? that, yeah. It was only later on that the tourists themselves became quite negative features. And, uh, and then you're going to start to hate them. And how do you think that Blackpool has changed since when you were a kid? Uh, it's difficult to say because obviously nostalgia plays a massive part. Yeah. So you have to combat that in your mind. And yeah, I mean, everybody says that it's been getting worse and worse. When was the heyday? Probably like 1910 or something. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's been a slow right. decline since then. You know, my relatives, my so my grandparents, my parents, myself, my friends—they'd all say that there's been a deterioration since when we were growing up. I can't say I've noticed it as much because I think a lot of it is nostalgia. Because uh, there's been a lot of improvements to the town. Doncaster. As we enter, as we enter the north. Oh, we're, now, we're now in the north. One of the big problems for Blackpool is uh, heroin, uh, which has kind of snuck in. There's always been a lot of seasonal workers who kind of come to Blackpool in the summertime. There's pontins uh, in Blackpool. There is, uh, there's pontins. Pontins, that's it. Yeah, and they work in the arcades or the pleasure region or the piers and, like, you know, whatnot. So you get a lot of um, seasonal workers. <coughs> and a lot of people stay and there's not really any work. And uh, one of the other major problems was the guest houses, like all the guest houses that were built in the 70s and 80s. They were going out of business, couldn't really afford to keep going. They went on the DSS, so they had a lot of... Uh, you know, people living in there who were unemployed and whatnot, and then heroin crept into the town somewhere in the early to mid nineties. Was there traditional industries in Blackpool originally? No. So it was just a tourist. Yeah, it was, that's well, the it was, Yeah, that was it. There's nothing else in the area. 
you know, there's other industrial centers not too far Nearby, away. Yeah. So it's like Preston, just yeah. uh, like a guild city, like yeah. you know, Bolton. And I worked in Preston for quite a few years. Yeah, there's no industry. So it's yeah. like hey, it was all tourism. Uh, maybe some fishing down in Fleetwood, but like you said, heroin crept in. Yeah. And what's been the effect of that? I get a bit of an inside look because my father is now also a social worker in Blackpool. He sees the absolute worst case. He's in the child protection bit. Oh yeah, that can and, uh, that can change your view of yeah. humanity completely. I think totally. I'm I've been on sort of child protection courses as part of my job, and the stuff you learn—it's just horrible. You yeah. really have to sort of have a day afterwards to kind of cleanse your soul. Yeah. <laughs> and he's yeah. doing that for a living, I guess. Jesus. Mm. He'll say basically Blackpool is going down the pits, and he say it's quite a sharp decline. But I reckon only because he's going to places that he probably wouldn't have visited before. Yeah. So he wouldn't have known what was going on anyway. Large groups of a community are, are on heroin. It, it just destroys the, the bond yeah. between communities. Yeah, yeah. And like even between like you know parent and child. Well, it makes people can't. completely selfish, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's the problem. You can't get the could be the nicest kids in the school. They just can't do anything. Yeah. You know, most of my information comes from my dad. So yeah. when I say it's heroin's crept in. It's that's, that's my dad's information. So I couldn't verify it any other way. So have you felt a change yourself? going to Blackpool have you felt there's a change in the way that it feels when you go there I guess it's hard I to say I prefer it but yeah. now as soon as you get off the train at Blackpool North train station you get this great big waft of fresh air and it smells great and you know, fresh sea air you know and that's the, you know, that's like that on its own kind of makes it worthwhile there's you no know, London air kind of slowly rotting your way from the inside <laughs> yeah just the air I just love to I do love to be beside the seaside <laughs> Uh, and have a walk on the prom that's like the first port call is going to have a nice long walk prom's cool yeah along, uh, along the especially if the tide's way out I wanted to go it can on be that. a mile between the tide and the, the prom yeah so you have like a mile of sand so like, and it's like flat golden sand it's great and I just love to walk around and, at the end of the pier there's like a bungee jump thing going out into the water I wanted to go on it last time I was there but my friends who wanted to go on it they were like no we're not going to go on it so I dragged them to the end of the pier and then it was well expensive, so I couldn't yeah. afford it. Yeah, I'd never just, done I was that. just sad because I wanted to be able to do this cool thing, but I couldn't <laughs> afford it, you know? I just was like... Yeah, yeah. It felt like, I don't know, bungee jumps and stuff like that, throwing yourself out across the water, that should be free. That seems to me to be free. <laughs> I think you could do it for free if you were that way inclined. <laughs> yeah, you could buy a few bungee ropes. Yeah, but it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be as safe, would it? <laughs> no, but... Um, no, the big wheel. Have you been on? Is, is that even still there? Yeah, it is still there. Yeah, the big wheel is still there. I, Did you go on that? Because that's nice. Well, I've, I went there before with my girlfriend, and we went round the whole of the whole of the fun fair. But the last yeah. time I was there, we could only afford to go on the big ride. The big one. The really, yeah, the big one, which is yes. very rickety. And yeah, it's I like brilliant, that though, isn't it? Well, I, see, I, Jen, my girlfriend, I persuaded her to go on that very roller coaster because I was like, "You're a writer." You hate roller coasters, but you're a writer, so you've got to experience a roller coaster once. I know you think you're going to be scared, but you've got to experience it once. We went on it, and then it broke down. So, and we were stuck there for 20 minutes before we, and then at the end of the 20 minutes, then we went round the roller coasters. And she's like, I'm never going on a roller coaster again. But I like Well, at least you can't see. Yeah. But I like it. Well, I like it when they break down. I quite like the days. It's never happened to me. It's never happened. I've been on the Pepsi Max big one. Is it still sponsored by Pepsi Max? There is one. Are we allowed to talk about. You can mention them, yeah. If they want to sponsor me, then I'll, I'll, <laughs> certainly I'll, I'm happy to have their adverts yeah. on it. Uh, give me money. Yeah, I've been. I must have been in like 14 times. Not once has it broken down. Oh, there you go. And it's a great ride. It is it's a really. It's, fun. It's a good ride. 
Like, yeah, that still seems new to me, even though it's probably like 20 years old. Well, it still seems like one of the newer rides. It's funny how that goes, isn't it? Because the old, the old roller coaster, which is just called the Big Dipper, that must be. They must have built that in like 1915 or something. That's Isn't a proper old wooden roller coaster, and that's great. The old roller coasters, <laughs> it's a lot more exciting because you yeah. really rattle around. It's like your spine slowly. It's like. This train's a bit like a roller coaster. Yeah, it is a bit like a roller coaster. I'm going to sort of counterbalance the dip of the. You could hold it. I might do. Yeah, I will hold it. Okay, go on. They seem like a, like a 1920s reporter. Yeah. With a German microphone. Yeah. Alton Towers. Growing yeah, up, yeah, Alton yeah. Towers was seen oh, as a lot of mixed emotions about Alton Towers. Okay, go on. Because one, the people who had been, which wasn't that many of the people that I knew, all said how like oh, it was way better than the Pleasure Beach. Oh. You know, it's just bare in every way. There's like, oh, Pleasure Beach, nothing compared to it. You know, it's like oh, it's like a joke compared to <laughs> Alton Towers. Went, okay, and I finally went, and I was like, okay, yeah, it is this kind of big, ex- expansive, expensive-looking. I suppose it was actually on that same trip, that Easter Sunday, that I went, and the sort of looked at like Pleasure Beach in a different way and it's just it, to me it seems way better I would say that it's old it's yeah like, there really is a history like, to the yeah you feel like going back in time you know but it doesn't have the really 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 amazing rides that you're too strapped in you go on those rides at Old Towers like it's, you're so secure it's, it's like yeah, yeah, it's, you know you may as well be going on a, on a flight taking off well I'll, I'll accept that creature I really really like roller those, pitches, those so Black I mean, Pleasure Beach ones you really might die yeah you could die there's definitely, uh, definitely could probably die. 15% chance of death <laughs> and that and that's danger yeah no, I and like that's what that. roller coasters is all about I agree with you I mean um, all it tells is about the illusion of the fear of death yeah but I think there's, Black there's, Pleasure Beach is about there's a place for both itself. of those experiences I think if you're a real roller coaster aficionado you should go to both you know you should go, go yeah because there's a it's like it's like indie films and and mainstream movies you know there's a place for both of them in the world exactly and yeah. so yeah yeah i guess blackpool's like the ken loach film <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's steven spielberg at all in towers yeah transformers 3 yeah whereas well that's like, a pleasure it's more like transformers an, 1 yeah that's an unfortunate I don't know, I'm not too keen on the Transformers franchise. I don't think, I don't think anybody is. <laughs> yes, there you go. That's my thoughts on Blackpool. And would you call yourself working class? Uh, no. I'd like to, but I think I'd be kidding myself if I said so. Uh, certainly from a working class background. But, you know, I went to university and... And does that mean that you're no longer work- working class if you go to university? Uh, I think... I mean, class is always a difficult one to define. Yeah. But I think within... England, as long as you're talking to English people, everybody basically knows what you're talking about with class. Yeah. When you try to describe it to somebody who isn't sorry, Great Britain, like it's difficult to describe it, but amongst the British there's a weird psychic consensus as to what we're talking about. And uh, I'd say no, I'm not, really. Well you work in theatre. Yeah. You went to university. Yeah. There's clear class demarcations, but at the same time you had a working class background yeah you've got a voice that your your accent demarcates some elements of class like you must you probably are treated slightly differently by upper class people yeah yeah than totally. someone with a posh accent yeah oh yeah yeah so I'd say middle maybe lower middle I don't know it's difficult so when we're growing up so a bit of background so uh, from I was like single parent family brought up by my dad my dad put seat covers on coaches at this big coach factory and that was his job so we had very little money kind of low income and then he got fired from that and he set up a business with a few of his own mates 
basically just putting like seat covers on cars and you know so it was like a little garage then that went under but they were and from he was bringing up two children was three it? three yeah yeah oh yeah and they're like a terrace house in Blackpool my dad was from Belfast I was from like a working class Catholic family in Belfast yeah there was very much an emphasis on like getting an education self improvement and this sort of thing and being involved at the breakfast table like we talk about Shakespeare and you know philosophy and whatnot, and like you know then he'd go to his job down at Dupal's the coach fittings place and it was, wasn't seen as anything it wasn't it even seen as trying to think above your station or like no, think no. your way out of a social setting you were just it's just what we did so I guess we were typical working class because most of the kids on the street they weren't doing that sort of thing some, some of them were some of them were sort of active because it was during the poll tax and Thatcher and yes. all that I remember the poll tax so people were very involved and all that but uh, since then it does seem to have disappeared in Blackpool almost completely because there's no industry at all now so I guess when the industry goes there's no big groups of people getting around talking about how well, we can like improve in, our lot you know yeah well it's like in this has happened in a lot of South Wales you know the industry left the mines closed down heroin moved in and yeah. and now everybody's fractured and yeah there's no sense of community in some of the areas. Yeah. So, when you went to university, did you find that you had a different outlook from the other people you went to university with, or did you find? That I you... think I like to think I did, but I didn't really. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I kind of like to think. No, exactly what you mean. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. Proper. You know, these bastards don't know anything that's about how I how life is. Blah blah. Yeah. And then you think, oh, that's not. And I, I we didn't felt, really grow up that differently, well, in the, all honesty. I felt like that, and I didn't even... I'm not even from a working-class family. I just <laughs> I just hang, hung out with a lot of working-class yeah. people when yeah. I was a teenager, and so I had the kind of working-class chip on my shoulder, but without the actual background to back it up. Yeah, I think there's but, a lot of... I think a lot of young guys and women in my situation, they're going through a lot of class hatred, which is completely useless to anybody who's pointless, ridiculous... Yeah, and uh, and then hopefully you grow out of it. Yeah, and you realise that well, it's what's the point? Do you think you should completely grow out of it though? I mean, yeah, completely. Yeah, totally. But we do live in a country that is uh, run by people who went to Eton and Cambridge mm. uh, and Oxford. Yeah, and Harrow. You know. We, yeah, but I don't see how hatred has any. Oh well, that's a fair. You point. know, if you just what? So why do you hate them? Well, I don't hate hatred. Comes actually, out of, basically comes out of jealousy. Yeah, but I don't hate them. But I don't want them to be running the country. They don't understand what it is like to be a normal person. Therefore, how can they make decisions for normal that. people? Well, I don't know about that. Okay. I, mean, I couldn't You're say. You're going to defend the coalition government? No, but I'm just saying I can't say that they don't know how other people think and feel. They might do. They don't know because but, they haven't experienced having to worry about how much money they've got in their bank how much money they've got in their pocket they don't really so it's easy for them to say for example let's say you got a bunch of guys from uh, council state and yeah. you said right you guys you're, you're the government now yeah off you go that'd be terrible too I'm not saying you wouldn't so I think, you know you have to have a mix you have to have a mix I'm not saying that you should have a government with nobody who went to Cambridge or Eton but you, you, you should have a government populated yeah. by people who have some understanding of what it's like to be an everyday person well, because I think I mean when well, they say big society is like, they don't know what what actually the conditions for the hardest hit people are <coughs> so they're talking about ideas for example the big society that that can work in a middle class area because there's, there's be housewives like, to you wouldn't volunteer. be surprised I can't think of any off the top of my head but you'd be surprised how many MPs are actually from yeah, poor backgrounds in, yeah I, I wouldn't be it's who's in the cabinet that's the issue not who's in the actual parliament in my opinion yeah I mean well what I'm, I'm not a 
I used to say I was an anarchist, but I've realised I'm not. What, well, since, since they put us on the terrorist list? <laughs> no, since that big um, that big demonstration. Remember the one? What was it, March? Well, I was on it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was there as well, and we had like completely different experiences. Yeah, 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 we did. But, but I'm certainly, what I'm completely for, and I think most people are for it, is like equality. That's what we want. Well, class is just another level of... Yeah, that, that's the kind of quality. anarchist I am. I would say that you shouldn't let anarchism as a ideology be blackened by a few, the behaviour of a few literally black Yeah, but wearing. I'm sort of basically convinced that it could never work. Okay. I just don't think it could work. I just can't see how it ever come about. Things would have to change a lot. As human beings would have to change significantly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, what I describe myself like, as now is... It's an interesting concept, well, it's a good idea. Well, what I describe myself as now is a pragmatic anarchist, right? So I accept that it's very, very hard to achieve my, my, my end utopia, so I'll go with pragmatic anything that improves the situation. So I'm defending the welfare state at the moment. Yeah. My ideology might lead us to disband the welfare state because we'd have decentralised communities that would be equal and all that stuff. But yeah. until that point ever comes up, which I doubt it will unless there's a significant ecological catastrophe which we'll, we'll have to deal with and find a new, co- new way well, of nuclear. doing it whatever well, wherever it is if something happens then we might be able to reform society but until then try and make society as good within what it is you know? so I'm all for yeah. defending the welfare state that's why I went on that march yeah. You went on that march too. What was your experience of the march? Oh, I got caught up with all the hardcore anarchist kids who were sort of from, um, you know, like wearing the black hoodies and the black face scarves. And, uh, well, I wasn't really sure what they were called, but some of them had the anarchist symbol. And I was yeah. just like, I guess they're anarchists. I don't yeah, know what they, they were. I can't remember what they, I don't know what they stand for. They weren't shouting any slogans. They were, they were very anti-police yeah. and very anti-shop window. So you saw all the smashing the windows. Yeah, I was right in the middle of all that with these kids. There's only a few who were doing the window smashing. Yeah, it was probably like the same four kids who were doing it, yeah. throwing the paint bombs and all. But all the rest of them had the face masks on as well. Yeah, and you can kind of see that it's only afterwards that I start to with well, talking to other people like yourself. At the time, I just thought these guys are like right little bastards. I would not want you know these people. You know, they're just. Hooligans—they don't have any ideology. There's no ethos behind it. They're just I don't know. angry. Yeah, I mean, I don't approve of their actions. I think it was mistake in lots of ways, particularly in terms of PR. I mean, yeah, that that generally that protest was so peaceful yeah. and had and, and that they really stole the uh, publicity in a terrible way. Now that's the fault of the media for focusing on that, but it's also their fault for not being savvy because we we have to combat the media by understanding it we can't combat the media by doing something stupid and then going afterwards look the media are mis- mis- misrepresenting well, it you know, well, from sensible. my point of view they, they weren't misrepresenting it because you know all the, all the footage you saw, that's what that? to me that was like yep yeah, that's what that's what I saw yeah that is what so, you saw for all I could tell that's yeah, what was going yeah, on elsewhere but um, what, what I didn't like about those kids is like the masks over the face the ones who weren't doing anything who were just kind of like hanging around can, who can sympathise or trust or get behind or support faceless totally kind of trying to look like little semi little terrorists or well, the, the reason like, the reason they do it is to keep themselves 
out of the glare of the media in the States. So yeah, they're that's anonymous. That's, that's I don't shit. agree with that. And they don't know because you could tell that they thought this was really cool. They all kind of had the same black backpacks, they all had the same yeah. black hoodies, the same black jeans, and the same black trainers. But they weren't the majority and you of just people. Wanted, I just want to think, where did they get this stuff from? But they weren't the majority. They all got the same shop, the same yeah, website. True. I mean, they get it from. Same, yeah, where they get the same black backpacks from? Anarchist Saras, I don't know. But, but, but the thing is, they, they, they weren't the majority of the people on the main march. Oh, totally. They that was the trade unions, minority. that was loads of people, there was loads of people there. And they weren't even the majority of people on the UK Uncut march. But they were, unfortunately, yeah. the people who got the... Yeah, I missed out on the UK Uncut stuff. Well, we accidentally went with the anarchists as well. We, we, we sort of, me, my 87-year-old dad and my girlfriend, <laughs> we accidentally marched with the uh, the Black Block, that's what they're called. Um, the Black Block. Yeah, like the Eastern Block spelling of it. Um, and As we, in, like, we, Soviet. Yeah, we accidentally... Well, who, who would ever I don't know, I wouldn't call who myself... Who wants that. the Soviets to rule the country? No, I'm, look, I mean? I'm, I, 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 just because I'm an anarchist doesn't mean I ever support most <laughs> anarchists. They're, they're, I think they're technically they're anarcho-syndicalists rather than anarchists. They're aware that the Soviet Union wasn't anarchist, aren't they? Well... No, I mean, uh, yeah, they should be. I this mean, is it. It's really run by these, it's, and you kind of talk, you kind of get chatted to some of them, and it's a lot of like well, they're middle-aged. Sh- they're stupid people. Yeah, they're just, every, you know, the one guy is wearing a Stalin badge. Yeah, He's I, just know, like, I know. What? I know. I, I can't stand people who hero worship Stalin either. I mean, I can't. Sta- I can't stand stand people who hero worship Thatcher. I can't. Re- or Hitler or anyone. I mean, anybody that has been very bad. Then, then I, how can you how can you support that? And well, let me just finish. Um, before we get sidetracked yeah, yeah. there's two points I wanted to make about the, that march as no, well no go on do it so one was well it's kind of the same point in two parts so on that march we did eventually get away from the anarchists when we went to the main uh, union bit in uh, Hyde Park yeah did you go to that no I, I, I went to the UK and cut marches yeah well it was it was a waste of time there's lots of people there, and they were, the union leaders were giving speeches, and oh. it was just pathetic. I saw Edmund. Uh, they were like so, that, so out of touch. They were just like using language from. The, they think it's like the 1970s. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's definitely. like completely out of touch with modern world. And it's, it's, I guess it's nice in a way because they kind of have these old. It's not just that they have old values, but they just seem like not fit for purpose in battling these extremely intelligent very well organised you know corporations and you know, leaders who are going to run rings around them yeah. forever you know they've got no chance against them I've got no time for the unions don't get me wrong so so then I was like oh well maybe the anarchists do have the right idea and we went back to the anarchists and then they were smashing up shops yeah and then it was like oh <laughs> then I don't but, so, so, so where, one thing one thing I realised to where UK Uncut were yeah, they're not that either that seemed like the good compromise between the two because there'd always, there'd always been a big discussion uh, I think it's quite a broad discussion, but between me and my dad, there's always a big discussion about does um, violence, does violent protest work, or does people protest work? Which one is more effective? So my dad's idea after the Iraq protests yeah. in 2003 or 2002, 2003. We were both on that as well. I think. Yeah, there was like where a million people marched through yeah. London. It was a peaceful protest, and my dad said that won't work. And it so they'll never listen to that. It's too peaceful. Yeah. So if a million people tore ass through central London and smashed the place to pieces, then they wouldn't have done it and I always thought mm, it's difficult to judge that one difficult to see if that's true or not but on this march I was completely convinced that violent prison doesn't work it doesn't work turns in the modern age completely. it definitely turns you off I mean the thing is it turned me off when I was on their side yeah I know 
I mean, I've been on a few UK Uncut protests before, though, and they've been great because one of the nice things about them is you talk to people on the streets about what you're protesting about, yeah. and everyone agrees with you. You say, well, we're saying that people should pay a fair amount of tax if they're going to work in, they're going to have business in this country, and that that tax would make up for the amount that we need to cut, so that yeah. would offset it. Everybody you speak to, I think, across the political spectrum, agrees with that principle. They yeah. might not agree with theatrical protests, which sometimes is, is well, is, is totally the way that you can cut go. I mean, yeah. they, they, they they do they, it's spectacle, but it's not violent. It seems really good it's, though. It's like yeah. proper civil disobedience in a sort of Gandhi satrigaya exactly. way. Exactly, and, and, they, and uh, they're very they're very reasonable. You can do it with a small amount of people, yeah, which is good. And then they do it. They target they directly target. Well, actually, I guess the well, there were some complaints about the. Who did they do? You were there, weren't you? Fortnum and Mason. Yeah, but, but they're owned by a trust, and they're not actually owned by. Well, that. it's a complicated thing. It's a charity, right. but they still the charities still don't pay their tax, and they still are connected to rich so business people. So it's yeah, a, it's I mean, a, they probably would have been a bit smarter and chosen a, a, like well, a more clear-cut target. I don't think so. I think that Fortnum and Mason's was a great target in some ways, although there was a problem with the class issue. Everyone felt they were protesting against the upper classes rather than protesting against... Yeah, but we're basically protesting against tourists and, like, working-class tourists who go in there buy a bit of jam. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's who you're but, protesting but, I mean, against. We nearly went into uh, Fortnum and Mason's, but we went the wrong way. So we marched with the Black Bloc for ages, and then we went, hang on, everyone around us is our anarchists. Let's go to the pub. Um, yeah, and, that's a good idea. Uh, yeah, because the people who went to Fortnum and Mason's, from all the reports I heard, and I know somebody who was working for Green and Black... Yeah. who was observing legal observers Green and Black the chocolate uh, it's confusing isn't it Green and Black is it the chocolate no it's not the chocolate right, okay. Green, Green and Black solicitors or something <laughs> that's funny that the, the, the chocolate company also did like yeah, peaceful protest mediation as well it's like, yeah, but, but the organisation I'm talking about here is Green and Black Cross also known as GBC Legal don't know why I couldn't remember the cross just one of those things that happens sometimes in conversations my mate was observing the Fortnum and Mason's thing and they gave legal advice to some of the people involved. Oh, really? That, that protest was, by all accounts, peaceful. They, they've knocked over stuff and then they picked it back up and put it back yeah. where it was. Do you know what I mean? They, 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 these were middle-class kids, I think, who were a bit naive. I mean, yeah. I, I think it's funny that they all didn't expect to get arrested and then they were arrested, whereas my instinct is that I'm definitely going to get arrested if I go into the Fortnum and Mason's. They yeah. actually thought they would be protected by reasonable law. That's yeah, a British, very British point of they view. Are they, British. They, go, go, they are very British. They are very standing the in there and they don't want me in there. They're going to lock me up for five years. Well, that's what I think is so sad about it because they're quite middle of the road. They're quite British. They're quite reasonable. They're not as extreme as I would be, but I, I agree with what they do, what they say. Um, and yet, they were really, their name was blackened by that day. That did. Well, they, they lost the, yeah, they lost the press war there. Oh, no, I think they did really do well. You think, do you think so? That's an interesting Yeah, thing I, I, was, I, I came out pretty convinced. We, because we, we were really upset. Me and me and my girlfriend and my dad and my friends, we were so upset by the media coverage because it was just so yeah, but, disproportionate. Yeah, but maybe like, the people, maybe the people ignore the media. But, now. They, they don't, I guess they, do you think people are media savvy now? I mean, do you think they they can take take it with a pinch of salt? Well, I mean, the large media organisations are losing readers and viewers every day. Yeah, good. So they you know the power is diminishing massively in the internet and. People are getting their information much more from social media and Twitter and whatnot, yeah. alternative sources. So, yeah, people are much less trusting of them. I guess they have had a lower profile, but the whole movement's had a lower profile, which is always what happens in Britain. People complain, are annoyed, and then they just kind of 
well, they get was, on with it. They were, st- they were stung it's because they were arrested. I mean, they, 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 part of the reason they got a low profile is a lot of the lot of the main organisers are waiting on court hearings and stuff. They can't really go out. Really? Yeah, there was 150 something. Or what was the, what was arrested the charge? Arrested for the Masons breach. Uh, I don't know. It was breach of the peace or something. No, it was a, it was a it was quite an antiquated trespass law. They were trespassing. Uh, I can't remember the details. It saddens me to say that I'm putting out this conversation a week after the first of the trials of the Fortnum 145 has happened. And in that trial, the first 10 of those people who were at the Fortnum and Masons on behalf of UK Uncut on the day of the March rally were found to be guilty by the court of committing aggravated trespass. I strongly advise you to have a look online and find out a little bit more about all of that. Personally, I find it hard to accept that I live in a country that prosecutes people for peaceful civil disobedience but doesn't prosecute the tax avoiders that that protest was trying to draw attention to. I mean, this is why you need a lot of support, because, like, you can cut... The impression I got, it was, like, just, like, a group of people who got together, and they weren't, like, experts or anything. Yeah, like they met in a, it started in a coffee shop, I think, and it's it's run through Twitter, so anybody can do... That's the whole idea of it. It's, it's decentralised. That's yeah. why they won't. That's why they won't condemn the actions because no one speaks for UK Uncut. If you want to do a UK Uncut action, you tell UK Uncut main branch and they publicise it to everybody else. Yeah. So it's just a, it's just a network for dissent. So yeah. so no one can. If someone from UK Uncut can't condemn any action because UK Uncut has no no unified position. It's a group mm. of people who all agree together. Now that's their that's their argument. I agree with it, but I don't, think it's helped, I don't think it's helped them PR-wise. And just organisation-wise. Well, yeah, but I mean, yeah. how else are you going to have... If you have leaders... You need leadership in this sort of thing. It's just inevitable. You have to, you have, to have it. Like, unless, anybody, unless everybody's an anarchist, anarchism doesn't work. I know, that is the problem. So you could have, like, a nice little anarchist utopia town... And then the next town over, they're not anarchists and they're complete yeah, but I think autocrats. Them- they're just covered in. Take you over. I'm aware that I talk about this quite a lot on this show, but I, I, uh, I think that the thing about anarchism is that that you can't. People just think it's for destruction of the state, and they don't think it's for building new societies yeah. that have structures that work. It's not being against completely structures, but it's about when you organise society, you try and take out the concept of authority. Well, the, pro- the problem you with still anarchists have to as well. But, Sorry, the cut Yeah, go on. But um, they probably would be better off coming up with another name. Yeah, I agree. You just have to accept well, that. Feminists, right? feminists have the same problem. Yeah. Communists have the same problem. Yeah. Socialists have the same problem. No, no, not even as, no because no, it's different because socialism. It's it's like slight. The public perception might be slightly different. To yeah. What? Well, with, people, with a word like anarchism, it basically is the more, opposite. People feel more positive towards socialism than they do towards anarchism well, or because communism. Because the word, definitely. like the word, to most people, it probably doesn't even have a political connotation whatsoever. It just means chaos. It just means a nutcase. And it's, oh, yeah, it just means a nutcase of a Molotov cocktail. Yeah, yeah, I know. Not even that. You could like, it just it basically to people it means chaos. Yeah. And like to, that's just how the English language has gone. It's no one's fault. It's just what's happened. I know, but what? So anarchists should just not come up with something else. Well, I'm trying to think of that. I mean, that's why I call myself a pragmatic anarchist, to at least differentiate myself from the, the, the people that people... What is, um... Do no, like you go on, um... Zednet? No. You know that? And like, um, What's Zednet? 
It's, it was actually it was set up Michael Albert is a guy who was a student of Noam Chomsky at MIT and he was a student during the 60s you know the Vietnam protests and whatnot. and he set up a magazine called ZMag and uh, they've been going ever since a sort of dissenting political group and they have like pretty pretty good website they basically publish articles and whatnot from all over the world about various leftist things and they've come up with this thing called it's called Parkon, Pearcon, it stands for, oh, what is it, Participatory Economics or something. Okay. And it's basically anarchism, but they've tried to rebrand it. And they've kind of put recently, like the last few weeks, they've been, well, actually, not the last few months, they've been, um, they're basically pushing to start a new political movement or a new party. As they've been having a lot of surveys and asking people what would they think if this happened or what would you, what kind of party would we want to have and... Well, send me yeah, a link. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Send me a link, I'd be interested. Even if it completely fails, at least it's like an example of something else. Something new. Because it's like, this is the thing, it's like... All of no the main parties... It's capitalism. Yeah. There, was, there was a brief moment, what, 2008, when the banks failed, and even the, like, the Daily Telegraph was calling for the banks to be nationalised, and there was a moment where people thought, all right, capitalism isn't working, we need to have a think. And, uh, but the, what was it? There was nothing else. Well, in the UK, in the US. I mean, uh, across Europe, they have socialist governments. And but there's still time. There's, there's, there is still time. I mean, there is time. Just time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I mean, because this will all happen again. There will be another crash. The banks will fail again. Definitely. Like, it's, it's already started happening. I know. Yeah. So, well, we agree on that one. You were brought up a Catholic. Yeah. Do you think you're still a Catholic? Uh, no. You know. Yeah. You have it. You have it as a, as a cultural thing. He takes some solace in it. Maybe when somebody dies, and pr- I prayed when I was a kid, and I believe Did you in God believe in heaven. Yeah. Ah, completely. Do you still? No. Definitely not. Well, you can say definitely. Who ah, knows? Who knows? But no, not not in that sense. I don't believe the Bible. It's, yeah. it's a good idea. Well, the New Testament's good. Yeah, yeah. Jesus is all good. Sermon on the Mount's all good, apart from the bit where he says everyone commits adultery if they look at someone else. Well, that Old Testament stuff is weird. It's very strange not to offend any <laughs> Jewish people out there but to me it just seemed like what in the bits it's weird that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just really? you know what I liked about the New Testament was you know treat everybody equally be nice to one another treat others as you'd like to be treated and uh, love your enemy not just love your neighbour but love your enemy as well which seemed like pretty decent a lot of people sort of say uh, Jesus's teachings are kind of inherently socialist. I've heard that that argument made. Hey, yeah, totally. Because it's just because that's what people use to organise societies. Yeah, it's a pretty good basis. My favourite book. But all the stuff because also a lot of stuff about you know you have to believe in the Lord and nothing everything's meaningless unless you believe in the Lord. Well, the God best, and all that, the, and that's the best bits of the Bible are clearly like Ecclesiastes and Revelation. Though. I mean, they're the bits with all the hellfire and yeah. stuff. I like quite like yeah, Solomon, I I, you know what? I haven't even read all that stuff properly. We didn't even get taught it. I mean, if like, you don't, don't even get taught that stuff, really. <clears throat> some of it, some some of them might do, but we never got. It was all New Testament. It was, it was all, all Gospels. Yeah, I don't even think we ever learned anything that wasn't Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John Gospels. Doesn't think we got taught anything else, which is good, I suppose. When did you lose your faith? Uh, uh, I actually remember it quite clearly. I would have been 15. It would have been at Castle Rig, which was a, a, a Catholic retreat for uh, high schoolers in Blackpool. It was in the Lake District near Keswick. And um, it was actually really great. Like, just a bunch of teenagers go off and, you know, they do, like, Bible stuff. But you also go on, like, long walks and 
It was really good, but we had this great priest, this young priest, Father Paul. He would have been quite young. He probably would have been in his late 20s. Like, we would have all been 15 at the time. Year 10. And I've been reading a lot of Philip K. Dick. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, yeah. And this very nice young priest indulged me quite a lot on this walk one day that we went up a mountain and basically the whole time I was kind of asking him all these like ridiculous questions which were quite important to me at the time and he was very you know I was saying so okay so what if you know what if a robot did actually you know, you know get sentience and had emotions and feelings like what what, 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 the, what would the church think of that if aliens came down you know what, what would they think and you know like this kind of stuff and he was very accommodating and asking about it but then it was his answers all seemed a bit seemed to be crazy so I thought maybe it's not they didn't fit into your not. science fiction yeah. feelings at the time so I thought it's probably not it's probably not really is it? religion's crazy <laughs> Philip K. Dick though that's, that's where the truth yeah, that's is. my religion you like Philip K. Dick don't you a lot actually you read oh yeah yeah totally well that's it because he kind of is your he favorite got book, me off guard is your favourite book The Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldridge oh yeah because that's the one I guess probably had the most resonance for you as a Catholic I guess. yeah totally because I mean, very a lot of you know massive religious overtones. Because I think he had a he was quite religious as well. I think well he had a he's the idea is crisis. Yeah, I think so. And but then he went back to it in a weird way. Well, he yeah, I think he he always was interested in that area. But he he had a crazy life, didn't he? Where he like ate cat food and lived off speed. So yeah, I mean, I guess anyone's gonna go back. Yeah, to he was on a lot of a lot of medication and whatnot. So, but going back to the original yeah. question, there's nothing wrong with being a Catholic. It's probably quite good. You know, there's a lot of lot of benefits to it. And it doesn't really... Even if you don't believe it, what difference does it make? You've got a bit of... It's a link to the past. What's the benefits of being a Catholic? It's a link to the ancient world. It's like all these ideas mostly originated in, you know, like the thousands of years ago. And it's nothing... I think that's a good thing. But there's, some, there's got some tradition in it. There's a community to it. You've got solace when terrible things happen in your life. It's nice to think that there's somebody up there watching over you. Yeah, but it's a sin if you masturbate. Yeah, but you, t- you can take it or leave it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you can't. Isn't that the whole point of religion? You can't take no, or leave it. No, no, I don't think so. You can take it or leave it because yeah. you're no longer a Catholic. Well, this is it. This but is someone who's a Catholic, that is, that's locked in. Whereas for me, it's like, well, what does it matter? Well, what yeah. difference does it make? So what? But that's, I mean, so, what if it didn't even, so what if Jesus didn't even exist? Like, it doesn't really make any difference. Well, yeah, but it's... I mean, that's that's not the Catholic view, though, is it? I mean, the Catholics believe that Jesus did exist, and, and that's their that's their primary belief, you know. But like, is it is it a belief in that this guy existed and that God manifested Himself among human beings, or is it a belief in a way of living? Well, it's a moral code as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and to me, that's what's important. And you 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 subscribe to that moral code. Yeah, and that's what it's well, you know, within reason. The basics, you know, like there's all lots of weird and all these old religions, there's all these kind of weird, weird fine print stuff, like you know, hating homosexuals. Yeah, all this stuff, which is like you know, it's clearly just because of the, that's what they thought at the time when they wrote it. It doesn't mean anything. It might be contrary to the basic teachings of it. It's completely open to interpretation. So go for it. You know, what difference is it? it's like to me? It's a belief in a way of life rather than uh, it's individual or. a Supreme being of some kind. Right. So you, you do you feel that do you are you glad that you were brought up a Catholic then? Uh, yeah, in, in a way, yes, because you do grow up aware of a completely different way of thinking. Because like I know what it's like to believe in God and pray and worry about your soul and genuinely be afraid about going to hell if you do something wrong that sort of stuff. 
So I can sympathize with people who do think that. Whereas I think if people grow up kind of atheist or agnostic from birth, they find it very hard to sympathize with religious people. That's, and that's very a big true. problem. I agree with that. I mean, I was brought up an agnostic, I think, or at least I was not brought up with any religion as such. When I was a kid, I believed in Norse mythology for a year, then Greek mythology. We well, actually believed it. Yeah. I think I was a Christian for a year or something, or six months. I mean, I just liked all the stories and liked telling myself that they were true. But, I mean, I, I certainly find there's not enough there's not enough understanding for people in the non-religious community. Yeah. There's no understanding of what it is to be religious, and it would help if yeah. we did understand that better. Well, I, I would say religion, really, but I think, I I think Christianity. That. I think in, like, this country, people are pretty... The general public are pretty accommodating to... Uh, every other religion apart from Christianity you think? yeah you yeah. think we're accommodating to every religion apart from Christianity? yeah yeah I'd say that I don't agree with you but go, because go like on. if you're someone you... to say they're Christians then but everybody... it's basically like saying you're a complete lunatic come on I mean everybody who's 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 lives in this country well not everyone I'm, I'm, I, I mean, was probably well, talking about London no really. no no but I mean everybody who lives in this country has had some influence of Christianity on their life I mean yeah. they've been to a church school or they've been to a school there they've sung Christian hymns or they've done something Christianity has, has impacted on their life in some respect yeah. whereas with the other religions it hasn't necessarily and I wouldn't say that their people are tolerant of other religions necessarily well, I, well what I'm probably doing is talking about sort of middle class London intellectuals is probably what I'm talking about ah well liberal left wing biased intellectuals certainly yeah. have have beef like with Christians Islam and yeah but Hinduism the reason, to like you know but they defend them because they're under attack whereas Christianity yeah. isn't under attack but I mean, to me that's, that's irrelevant it's under attack or not well I agree you should judge it on its I mean I I, merits, I, I equally I equally dislike and equally support all religion My yeah, you get some weird ones to, well yeah I know what you mean but what I'm, I'm I'm not talking about the extremes I'm not talking about the fundamentalists but I'm talking about moderate people of all religions I feel kind of similarly to but I wouldn't say that that everybody is anti-Christianity in this country I'd say there's a lot of people who are anti-Islam or anti um well, Islam's the main one because no, of the yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, yeah, you're right. Well, I mean, I was kind of yeah, I was talking about. A but, small but you're group. right. I mean, people Christ- I've been socialising Christianity with gets some gets yeah. Uh, that's very true. I think that's you've you've hit on something really true though. Amongst certain communities, it's okay to defend any religion apart from Christianity, which you yeah. just rip down all the time. Yeah. But um, I and think I don't think that either is th- basically yeah. Christianity's own fault though. You can't really blame people for feeling that. The Catholic Church, you can't. You know, they've done it to themselves. Yeah, but I mean, they deserve it. They deserve a bit of a kicking. I mean, it's kind of bad for the people who are actually in the religion at the time. But yeah, but Islam's done deserves it as well, doesn't it? I mean, you know, you can't say any. <laughs> well, Islam hasn't don't really, deserve uh, it. Islam didn't bit. have its grip over Europe for no, that's true. Millennia. No, they, I mean, they had Spain for a few years. They had a. Actually, they had an empire. Forgotten. I mean, they had an empire, and now they haven't got one. Yeah, so but like they didn't really. There was never. You know, it was never the dominant ideology and. Not here. Britain, and not Britain, not Britain not priests and nuns and this sort of thing, and you know, factions and all that. So yeah, that's very true. Before I ask you the last question, I've got one more question to ask you. Why <coughs> did Why did you say that the problem with me is I'm just like Alan Moore? <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, I think we should give some context to this. So should we? You can maybe, if you want. Not. It's oh, really up to a, you, mate. We had a we had a we had a heated debate. Uh, it was on yet yeah, another stag do. Hopefully we won't repeat it this yeah, time. Yeah, we were on a friend stag do. We were both quite drunk. Yeah, it was gin fueled. Yeah, which was the problem. Well, I tip, for some reason I tipped some Coca Cola. I, t- I tipped some Coca Cola down Jed's really white T-shirt. You got a really white T-shirt on again today. Yeah, no, so, I'm, I'm conscious it, of this now. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it this time. Don't worry. Because I thought it was funny, and it clearly wasn't funny, but, and I completely understand that sober, but at the time it was hilarious. Especially because, you know, I've got some complicated jealousy things with the fact that you've got a six-pack and issues that you look attractive and stuff like that. So anyway, so we got into, we got into a big argument, but it, it worked out quite well. Yeah, it was, well, it's, the nicest, it was nice. it's the nicest time I've ever been shouted at by somebody. <laughs> you were just shouting at me, uh, you're so, just like Alan Moore. That's I the problem with because, you. I think this is because, so I finally, I saw Alan Moore give a, a, a talk a couple of weeks before, maybe three weeks before, ah, right. I sort of met him very briefly. And uh, at the time, I was with, you know, Susanna, who works on the article with me that yeah. we got into Alan Moore's were, magazine. Yeah, you were published in Dodge yeah. and Logic. And at the time, I said, he's like Dave, and she said... Yes. Oh God! So at the time we thought he's, he's, he, he was kind of like he just got the same sort of mannerisms, same sort of things okay. to talk about, same sort of energy and intensity. You know? Well, I, I like very this. similar in that, this is in a that good way. Thing. I'm, I'm happy with this, but and there was that, a critique in that though. What's wrong with Alan Moore? I mean, it can get a bit much. <laughs> it can be a bit after much. a long period of time. No, that's not true. I don't know. It's just it, well, it wasn't. It wasn't like a bad thing. But I'm, you can tell that you can tell that he's. Probably a bit tiring to be around all the time. Oh yeah, well I'm definitely. I'm sure this is something that people say about you. I'm sure he would understand that he was as well. I mean that's hopefully the the one the one thing I can say about myself is at least I know that I'm annoying. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure he does. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. And it's, you know, you're interested in the same sort of things. We talk about are. the same similar things. Well, I've never been told off by being compared to my hero before. That's, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't told you off. I was just saying. No, well, you know, I don't know. I don't know why I brought it up. The words that you oh, said, so I I mean, they're it. engraved into my mind now. It's just the problem with you, Dave, because, is no, you're just like Alan because, Moore. Because I reckon, say you couldn't make it, but Alan Moore could come to Richard Stagdu. Yeah. He probably would have done exactly the same thing. Poured, poured Coca Cola Probably. <laughs> That's what he would have done, I'm sure. He might have done. I'd like to think he, I'd, I'd like to think he would have done. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, and you're both writers and interests the same sort of things. I think when you do finally make it which I'm pretty convinced you will that's what you said to me as well you're like you uh, will make you'll, it you'll do that and you'll, you'll give big talks to people and you'll probably talk about the same sort of things well this is what you'll do I hope so that's a nice a ni- nice thought to, for me and you were published in Dodge and Logic because I own that edition of Dodge and Logic yeah I'm very proud to have that in my collection and, it was and a it's very no good... more they've stopped no I know I know I, I own all of the ones that existed and then yeah yeah they stopped I, I thought it was a good article I mean it's, and, and you do you, you write don't you yeah I mean that's actually looking back on it I kind of I mean because I don't know you but I feel like my ideas and my philosophies changed quite a lot since when all, like all the time there was there, there go a few years where I pretty, pretty much have like okay this is what I think about the world this is kind of this is how I think things are and then I'll go through like a period where it's, it, things change a lot yeah, like well, there's some sort of world event or something I've read or something or either I'm growing up my life experience changes or whatever but I'm kind of reassessing what I think all the time I've definitely so even rereading times, that yeah. article which I wrote a year ago I'm already kind of thinking that's kind of a bit naive really thinking yeah. about it no, I think that's <laughs> true when you read naive. when you read non-fiction stuff you've written it's much more likely that you won't agree well with it was it before Nick Clegg got in yeah so 
well, yeah. we're now in a post Nick Clegg era <laughs> and uh, a lot of things have to be reassessed well I think that the thing is that if, it, if you write fiction in the past you can like if I look at my past fiction I can be like I don't like the style but I kind of often appreciate the ideas even yeah. if I don't agree with them anymore because it's fiction you don't yeah. have to agree with it when it's yeah, non-fiction yeah, totally. you're like I don't agree with that and that's not a character saying it uh, it's me it's just to make well yeah I guess it's just to make you think I wish I should do more of those things because um, like Orwell who's probably my absolute hero of heroes uh, he had this thing where he, he he thinks it's a really good idea to write a diary. I mean, he was he kind of writes articles all the time. Yeah. So he didn't really need to. But he said people should try and keep a diary about what they think. Because, say, like, ten years' time, you'll probably rewrite in your mind what you thought at that time. So, yeah, so yeah. Like, like, the, like, invading Libya was an interesting one, like a recent one. Yeah. I think what people... There's a lot of discussion about it. I wasn't I quite sure what I, I thought about it. I couldn't decide what I thought. And uh, I wish I'd written down when I before they started the bombing. Not they didn't invade, but you know, before they started bombing Libya, I wish I'd wrote, written down what I really thought should happen. Because after it happened, you know, I'd probably pretend that I was on the the right side. I was on the winning side, you know. So it's a good idea to keep track, and it's also easy to lambast people who maybe made a wrong prediction or was on the were on the wrong side, forgetting that you might have. <laughs> thought something similar yourself yeah you know well Jed you're just like George Orwell um, and have you got anything that you'd like to plug oh I may have a a comic book dramatisation of Charles Darwin's Voyage of the Beagle cool which will be coming out in India <laughs> for Indian school kids so if there's any Indian school kids out there get your uh, your library manager or head teacher to order in a few a few boxes of by Jed Matthews on Campfire Publishers. Do you go under Jed Matthews or Jed Jared? Uh, Jed. Jed. I, had, I did debate this. I'm like that. I'm like Dave. I debated it. I've decided Dave. No. Jed Jared. I might switch back. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. I'm Dave. That's what I've done. Yeah. But you know, your choices, your choices. Yeah. I'll, I'll have a think. So you're being published in India. Yeah. And is there anywhere else they can see your writing or your work? Not at the moment. You were in Dodgem. Which was the Dodgem Logic you were in? Issue three. Issue three. So you can you can probably. Remember the website that. that I was collaborating with. She was at like a book signing something. She talked to Alan Moore uh, like last Saturday, yeah. and he remembered he remembered me. And he remembered something I submitted that they didn't put in. She said, "Oh, we're thinking of putting that on the website. So it might go on the Dodgem Logic website." Oh, cool. And they didn't put it in the Christmas issue because it was about suicide. Right. So, but he did say, "Oh, we're thinking about putting it on the website." And what's the? And what's he remembered the, Jed Matthews. And what's the name of the article? The article was called. Oh, it was actually saying Blackpool. <laughs> it was an article. It was a comic strip, and it was called "Twixt the Steeple and the Ground." There you go. So check that out. And uh, you're open to approach about writing and anybody who's interested in talking to Jed about professional things all theatre companies out there yeah, who are true, yeah. looking to pay fairly high rates for <laughs> a, a great venue in the, right in the centre of the London, heart of yeah. London new centre King Cross uh, let me know yeah send an email to the show and I'll pass them on to Jed for sure um, so the last thing that I ask everyone to do is say goodbye to the audience goodbye folks <laughs> goodbye Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter 
at UBA Podcast. You can find it on Facebook. It's Getting Better Acquainted. Have a search on Facebook and like it. Or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk. You can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted. Pulled over your head? Is that what you say? Yeah. Wall pulled over your eyes. Eyes. Thank you, Richard. <laughs>